Friendshiping has partnered with Multitude for some sweet ads. Loot Crate. Loot Crate is the original fan-powered subscription. Loot Crate partners with entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly-themed crates. The crates, those are boxes of pop culture-themed clothes, keepsakes, and other fun-branded stuff. It's like a gift you give yourself monthly that is delivered to your door. You can choose from, wow, I know. You can choose from a ton of different crates, from specific franchises like Marvel to general themes like anime, gaming, sci-fi, and more. Loot Crate works directly with creators and licensed partners to make new products that fans will be stoked to see. And they offer local shipping in a ton of different countries. So if you usually can't get stuff like this because you live outside the U.S., definitely check out Loot Crate. Use code FRIENDSHIPPING for 15% off at LootCrate.com. Or you can just go right to Loot Crate with the link in our episode description. Hey, wow, one take Bane! One take Bane! That's what they call me. That's what we've always called you. (laughs) I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This This is Friendshipping! And the theme this week is... Uh, roommates. Roommates? Trying to prevent a bad roommate situation. Friendship between humans has many benefits, but sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits. Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits. View friendship at the problem. So Jen, you and I have been many things to one another. Friends, business partners, co-authors, but we've never been roommates. Well, no, we've been hotel roommates. Hotel roommates, yeah. And hotel roommates for such extended periods of time that I feel like all together, like cumulatively, like we have lived together. I think so. I mean, think about our trip to uh, when we went to PAX Australia. That was... Oh, Jesus. That was a long time. Oh, yeah. That was like four that weeks. That was a long time. Yeah. yeah that was great. That was our friendship honeymoon, really. <laughs> Yeah, it was. We were just like, okay, like we're 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 here. We're leaning into this. Oh man! And I remember we, <laughs> I had saved up all my hotels.com rewards or Expedia or something to get it. I was like, we're gonna get a free, really nice room oh, for like so one nice. night in Sydney. Had it like so had like nice. a rain shower. It was definitely they were giving us like the oh the newlywed treatment. It was great. And you know what? It is what we deserved. Unfortunately, the asker this week is definitely not coming from one of those honeymoon situations. In fact, the these roommates are not friends. Everything is very, very bad. And this week, we're going to talk about how much of this can you actually prevent? How much of this is something that's work on your end? And how much of this is coping mechanisms for when things go wrong? Because I think this is going to be a combo of all that bullshit. Jen... How are you? Oh, I'm okay. Every time I see someone getting a vaccine, like, you know, when they post the little shot, pictures of them getting the little shot, little band-aid, the vaccine card, it's like I get a shot of joy. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Like, and I, man, when you first started saying that, uh, I was actually gearing up for when every time I see a picture of somebody getting a shot, I am concerned that they are skipping in line because that's how I feel half the time. Like, OK, like, let's talk about this real quick. Yeah, we should. Let's let's unpack this because this is this is happening. And it's like, you know, OK, first of all, this is the big disclaimer that I think is extremely important. There is no reason to ask somebody why they are getting their vaccine. Because if it's somebody that you suspect has, quote unquote, skipped in line or whatever, well, you don't really know what the situation is. They could be caring for an elderly relative. They could have an underlying condition that they don't want to disclose. So so just straight off the bat, don't go around doing that shit. However, there's clear 
rule breaking. There's clear like people taking vaccines out of the hands of people who need them, frontline workers, people who are like of marginalized uh, communities. And let's be real, it's these fucking white people skipping in line. And it's making me a little mad. (laughs) (laughs) A little mad. Yeah. You know, I got to say, it kind of grinds my gears when you do something ethically and morally repugnant. It's just like it kind (laughs) of... It's just, I don't know, it's just just a little pet peeve of mine. A little bugaboo, you know, not a big deal. But (laughs) when people are like absolutely despicably morally repugnant, it does bother me a small amount. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I had something to say. But all I have to say is it makes me mad every day. And oh, man, Jen, did you read on Block Club how like the staff at Trump Tower got like cut in line and everything? And like Eric Trump got vaccinated. And like the the guy was like, I'm vaccinating Eric Trump. Oh, I'm very cool. And it's just like, Jesus H. Oh, I know. And it's like, (sighs) okay, so that that I can barely like tolerate. Um, (laughs) But and then I can see why people, not not the Trump family, I have nothing, I have nothing to to share about them. But I mean, like the ever, I can see why people can justify getting the shot because they think because every shot is a good one, you know. It leads yes, to hurt everyone. Totally. We need everyone to get vaccinated eventually. But the idea of skipping the line brings to mind the the Titanic, <laughs> the steerage <gasps> third class, the first class getting the the lifeboats first rich women and children only like it's just it it reminds me of the classic 1998 97 movie titanic that's what it that's what it causes to mind and as much as i love that movie it's not a pleasant reminder you know the fuck what this i'm gonna say this this is real this is this is the truth if you skip in line for your vaccine you would be Billy Zane in Titanic, you would be you would be the person who kills Leonardo DiCaprio, essentially. So every time you skip in line to get a vaccine, just imagine that you are murdering young, beautiful, 20 year old (laughs) Leonardo DiCaprio. He's so gorgeous in that movie. I just he's so pretty. He's such a pretty little boy. Like when I was like 13, I was like looking at that as like, oh, man, that's a hunk of man. You know, (laughs) know, he's a a sweet little art boy. So hunk of man did not exactly apply, but close enough. I know. If only we could keep Leo at that age forever. Instead of him, who he is now, someone who lives on a yacht with 20-year-olds. Right. Like, if only Leonardo could stay 20 years old forever so that he'll consistently be the age of the person that he is always dating. (laughs) (laughs) He just doesn't date anybody over 25. He keeps aging and his girlfriends keep getting, uh, going Benjamin Buttoning. Jen, I am really proud of how we went from being angry about vaccine line skipping to horny in the 90s in literally five oh, minutes. Horny in the 90s. That's that's our next book. Nailed it. <laughs> horny in the 90s by Jenna Trinn. Oh my God. Okay, wait, hold on. Hold on. Jen, I wrote something down that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh my God, Jen, guess Ooh, what it was. What? What? No, it was, I wanted to talk to you about skipping line, uh, skipping the line. Oh, oh good. Well, I'm glad we made it there because you, you nailed it. You are the Billy Zane, you know, Billy Zane character picks up a, a kid that's not his and pretends to be like, uh, this is my 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 girl. And she she I'm all she has in the world. And uh, that's oh, yeah. that's a lie. That's a lie. Yeah. You're a Billy Zane. Oh, but OK. Wait. OK. Hold on. I don't know. Billy Zane might be super nice in real life. Okay, let's be clear. You are the character 
the irredeemable character that Billy Zane plays, Cal. you are not reflective of the personal character of That's actor right. Billy yeah. Zane. I'm sure Billy Zane listens to this, <laughs> and we don't want to offend him. I think it's your week to read the question. If you, oh, if you're I ready. think it is. Okay, okay. Let me get let me get adjusted here so I don't scream into the microphone. Okay, I'm ready. Dear Jen and Trin, I'm about to leave a very toxic roommate situation that has left me deeply wounded and hurting. I can't afford to live on my own, so I'm going to need roommates. I am terrified of repeating the situation I'm leaving, so I'm trying to be clear that I want a calm living space and for everyone to be able to take care of business. I don't want to be the parent of the household again. I value my alone time, and I need to know that I have a space that's mine, and I can walk about freely without being constantly bombarded with questions or venting, and that I can't exist without worrying whether roommates remembered to pay rent, clean the apartment, do their chores, take their meds, so on and so forth. How do I communicate and make this as clear as possible? How do I account for people's actions not matching up to their words? For example, many ADHD people I have known have a terrible concept of who they actually are and oftentimes like to think that they're another way entirely. That inconsistency drives me up the wall and feels like constant gaslighting. I just want to be in a safe, comfortable home. Pronouns he, him. So this is rough because you can't really control pretty much any of those things when it comes to another person. I I think it is, I mean, it's the major downside to having roommates. You left a situation in which you felt like a parent, but in order to have what you want, I would think you would need to, to, again, be be the dad. I, I think the solution to this is going to be a combination of communicating your needs and boundaries, just like how we always do in our lives with our friends and people that we love, and having coping mechanisms for when your roommates fail you, because they absolutely will. Yeah, a a big component of this, I think, is going to be expectations management (laughs) because your roommates, uh, even the best roommates are still people with their own with their own baggage, their own boundaries, their own needs. So you are deeply wounded. And I know that's that's really impacting you right now and impacting your decision making. But um, I still want you to have I want you to check yourself a little bit because some of these expectations are are not going to be met no matter who you live with. I definitely think that it is reasonable to have expectations of your roommates. I think that the expectation of paying the rent on time is very reasonable. I would say that this is a very difficult time for that to be consistent for everybody because we are in a time of like deep economic difficulty and people are, you know, the there aren't really jobs. Um, and and uh, I also, akin to remembering to pay the rent is remembering to clean things. And again, we are all having the constant energy drain of the of the world. And I definitely think it is reasonable to want your roommate to clean the bathroom once a week. Right. You know, like that's if that's their chore. But if they don't and you want a clean bathroom and they don't care, you're the one who's going to have to clean the bathroom once a week. And then we find another chore for this roommate that they will do, you know. Let's break this down like to, to an individual, like different problem. So the first problem is the basics of living in a place with somebody else. So paying the rent on time is the number one about that. Yep. Um, that is a reasonable expectation with the caveat that that's not easy for everybody. And I think you know that logically, listener. And then the next part is the chores. It sounds like you were in a situation where you were living with somebody who was much messier than you are. And there's a certain amount of future proofing we can do with that. We can ask our future roommates, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how, how messy, how clean are you? How often do you do this? Because this is what I do. 
And, you know, you can you can say like, I, I like to vacuum once a week and I like to do this once a week. And I don't mind doing this, this and this chores. What do you think of the idea of you doing this, this and this chores? That's how I worked it out with my, my husband, which is completely admittedly a very, very different situation because it's somebody I married and like we're locked in, you know. But for a roommate, I think that that's still that's a that's a that's a negotiation that can happen right at the beginning of living together. Yeah, that can be a conversation very early on, like before before any lease is signed. You could ask them like what kind of cleaning they don't like doing and what kind like what kind of cleaning they they begrudgingly do and what kind of cleaning they quote like. And maybe if they say there's no cleaning I like, maybe that's not the right roommate. <laughs> right. Or if they say there's some cleaning I don't mind doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like like not everybody derives pleasure out of washing the shower curtain the way out of that I do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, Trin. You you have to be reasonable. Not everyone likes it. <laughs> I love vacuuming because so when you vacuum a carpet and you know how it pushes the carpet fibers like up and down, it's kind of like you're coloring with like a crayon. Oh, I love that. So I feel that way about my steam mop, my steam yes. boy 2000. Love him. Love a good steam boy. Yeah. See, Jen and I would be great roommates, obviously. No, that's not true. So, hey, this is a good point. All right. Um, I am a great roommate in lots of ways. I am great at not interrupting my husband while he's doing stuff because I hate being interrupted. I am. I like cleaning, but I am not neat. Like, I'm not tidy. So I leave empty mugs that I was drinking something out of all over the apartment all day. And I usually at the end of the day clean up like seven different cups that I've left in different places because that's my brain, you know. So so I think expecting a human oddity, you know, expecting a certain amount of of weird divergence within how people interact with their living space. I think that that's a healthy thing, you know, to, to go in expecting something like that. That's such a good way of putting it. Like, remember that people will have their quirks just as you do. Um, and and they're, it's hard to know your own quirks because you only have your own perspective. But if I were to, like, really bring awareness to what kind of roommate I am, I would say uh, one negative thing about me is I will leave the kitchen unclean after cooking in it um, overnight and I will put it off. Especially during the pandemic, I feel like my entire life is cleaning the is cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm so sick of cleaning the kitchen, and I can't believe we haven't invented a device for that yet. Just to like, <laughs> just like hit a button and oh, like whoop, the kitchen's clean. Hose her down. Yeah. Yeah. So we've covered. There are reasonable expectations, like ground foundational expectations of living with another person, and that there are sometimes extenuating circumstances where those needs cannot be fulfilled. Then we talked about ways that we could talk about cleaning with another person and make sure that that's something that is set out in the beginning of a relationship. Jen, I seem to remember you having a story about a like a, somebody made an agreement for like living together or like what they yeah. Oh man, I love this. Yeah, yeah. So this is a uh, this comes from two two of my closest friends, um, and they are married. It was several months ago. Um, they're a married couple, um, and she he needed a haircut, and she was going to give it to him. And they know themselves so well, and they are such a loving, uh, hilarious couple that they were like, okay. To prevent any arguing, any bickering, or really any conflict, what we're going to do is we're going to each lay out a contract and they're going to sign it. And they sent us to these like with their handwriting and it was like mind-blowingly good. It was like, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here. I actually can't remember what they said, but I, I imagine that one version might say like, I will not get upset if the haircut isn't exactly as it would be from a salon. I love or, it. Or uh, I will only provide positive feedback or I will not... <laughs> 
I will not nitpick this haircut. And then and then she also she also provided uh, a contract and signed it, which was like, I understand that um, I will not try. I can't remember what it said, but it was probably like, I will not try not to be a perfectionist about this or I will recognize that um, it is okay if he doesn't love this haircut. Like they were so good to each other about it. Like they totally recognized their own their own baggage and their own communication style. And I was like, man, this is such a good marriage move. And I, th- I suspect they had fun writing these because they really made me laugh. Right. And I'm not expecting uh, this asker to go into a roommate situation and be like, let's draw up a contract that, that might not be that, that might not be received well. And also, like, it's, you know, it's something that a, a loving married couple did together. But I think that a lightweight version of this would be, hey, so let's sit down. And I know this is a little cheesy, but I would really love it if we could just split up the chores and then we'll write this down and we'll put it on the fridge and then we'll never have to think about it again because we will know who does what. And then and then. It's, it's done, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember one time I had a college roommate who wrote like who left dishes in the sink and then like left a note like, hey, don't clean these. Um, I'll be home later and I plan on doing them. And I was like, oh, that's that's so nice. I recognize that this was my chore for the day. So I, re- I really like building a conversation that's normal, calm, steady, not a big deal, but also holds some meaning around cleaning. Yeah, absolutely. The other components of this. Um, so, we, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them. Um, so I empathize in particular with your need to not be bombarded when you get home and your need to not be interrupted. That for me is like very specifically, oh, my gosh, it makes me so mad. And it's actually because of my ADHD, because I tend to hyper focus. Um, and so I've had to kind of communicate this with my husband. Um, and the way that this actually played out was, man, one day I got so frustrated that I literally made him a flow chart that was like, are my headphones on? Yes, no. Like, don't interrupt me. G- text me first. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. <laughs> oh, the flow chart didn't work. The flow chart did not work. Although he did keep it because it is honestly, it was impeccably uh, crafted. But what did work was we had one particularly rough week of him interrupting me. And so we were just talking about our day over dinner. And I said something like, you know, I actually had another rough day because, um, you know, I get a lot of interruptions during the day between you and the cats. And what I think is I think we've we've covered everything that we can do. And the only thing left is that I will take your office because my my desk is out in the living room right now because I take fewer calls than Connell does. We'll move your stuff out and we'll put my stuff in because clearly I need a door and you don't. And he was perfect from there on out. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. The only solution left after trying this for a long time was I need the door then. Right. Um, man. Yeah. That's called compromise. <laughs> but if I had said to him, I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. I, and I, it, what, if, what if I started just taking his stuff out of the, his, right. his off, the office and putting it up like that would not have gone over well and would not have worked. And honestly, Connell and I just have different levels of how much we want to interact with each other during the day. So it's not just that Connell has to be perfect from here on out. It's I have to remind him that this is what I want because it's not natural for him. And also, I have to learn how to cope when I am angry after he interrupts me. Because the truth is, being interrupted is not it's not stealing a vaccine. <laughs> it's not, yeah. you know, it, it's not coming up to you and smacking you in the back of the head. You know, it's not it's a very minor infraction all told. But for me specifically, it's hard. So I have learned coping mechanisms. If he interrupts me, I, you know, I kind of wave him off 
And I take a deep breath and I just kind of think about what I was working on quietly for 30 seconds. And then, okay, I'm back in the mode and I go back. And that and that has helped a lot because then this is how I'm going to segue into this. This is going to have to be compromised because you cannot screen your roommates for their neurological disorders and mental illnesses. It's never going to work out that way. Lots and lots of people are messy and lots and lots of people forget to do chores and lots and lots of people have mental quirks or neurological disorders or illnesses. Lots of them. I imagine that the situation that you just came from was an extreme situation. Like your roommate never cleaned every anything ever and you got in trouble because he never paid the rent. I hope that that does not happen to you again. That sounds like a really terrible living situation to be in. But what you said about ADHD concerns me, not just because it personally wounded me a little bit, to be honest. The way you're talking about it is a little icky. I appreciate the fact that you tried really hard to be kind and you tried to take time with your words. But here's the reality. You cannot future-proof your roommate situation for these things. And also, isn't it so much better when somebody knows what's wrong with them? <laughs> like, yep, you know, yep. There are so many people on this planet that are functioning at a lower capacity than they could because they don't have the help they need and they don't even know to go get that help because they don't know that there's a problem. To be honest, I think that you might have an easier time with a person who is like, I, here's what's wrong <laughs> yes. with me. I am depressed and I have anxiety and this. That would be, that, honest, wouldn't that be nice? Um, that probably won't happen either. So to wrap up the whole neurological diversity uh, angle of this question, I think that you definitely want to cleanse yourself of those icky words that you use to describe people with ADHD. And I imagine that perhaps your previous roommate had this disorder and it affected their capacity to live with you peacefully. Um, I know that that's why that happened. But, yo, dude, that is bad. Not cool. That's not cool. Yeah, it's it's not cool. And uh, thank God for Trent, who who calmly and steadily explained that, um, because my my uh, like if I were. Mavi, my dog, the fur on the back of my neck is standing up. Like when she sees when she sees someone coming up the oh, steps. Yeah. Um. That's that's my friend you're talking about. That's someone like my really close friend who is so capable, smart, clean, tidy, cares about other people, and is doing their damn best. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Uh, it's that really got under my skin. And um, yeah, it's time to recognize that bias you have against people who have this specific disorder and start to unpack it and dismantle it. And also. Again, there are so many disorders and mental illnesses that that will affect a person's ability to coexist with you peacefully. And it's not possible to future proof for. So right. and, and the ways that we that we try and, and uh, solve our problems are we get locks for our door. If you have a desk at home and it can fit in your bedroom, I strongly recommend doing that. Uh, I, it's not perfectly healthy for sleep, but it sounds like you are somebody who really, really, really needs to not be disturbed. And that is one way to do it, is to work in your bedroom, close the door and lock it. And Jen, I really appreciate you being angry on my behalf because at first I, I too was a little bit angry, but I also know that like there in many ways I am and have been over the course of my life difficult to live with. And I didn't know why. And now that I know why, I am better at it. You're right. People with ADHD do often not have a full and complete sense of who they are. And it fucking sucks. 
it's really hard. And your problem not having your apartment vacuumed is definitely not as much of a mental drain as living in that ADHD reality of not truly knowing who you are. Yeah, or unmedicated, un- undiagnosed, don't have access to the healthcare and information. And yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, this is a little tangential, but growing up in the 90s, all I was told over and over again is that ADD and ADHD, those kids are overdiagnosed. Oh, these days they're overmedicated. Everyone, every kid seems to have it. And it's like, well, (laughs) well, maybe we should like, I I grew up in a community in a a space where um, it was considered not a big deal. It was considered part of childhood. It was dismissed. So my entire, for most of my young adulthood, uh, ADHD was not taken seriously. Yeah, same. Yeah. So I'm not an expert on this, and my information is based on just like the variety of things that I read, um, like books and, and internet about ADHD, and anecdotally what has happened to my multitude, honestly, of friends who have been like ADA, ADD, ADHD. And in the 90s, yeah, little boys were often over-medicated because we needed them to pay attention specifically in the way that we needed them to, which was this system of public education as it is. We're not going to change anything for anybody. We are just going to medicate you. (laughs) It's really what happened in the 90s to little boys. And it was so seen as a problem that hyper little boys had that the uh, inattentive variety of ADD was so often overlooked. And that has changed because the way that we define ADHD now is much more broad. We now know that the same neurological problem causes different individuals to exhibit different behaviors. I just don't want this person to leave this roommate situation and go into another roommate situation in which they are the bad guy. They are the shitty roommate who is like, I need this, this, and this, and this. And if you talk to me when I walk in the door, I'm going to be fucking mad about it. I think stating those needs and boundaries is fantastic. But taking some personal responsibility for your reaction to minor infractions from a poet, and I didn't even know it, um, (laughs) that's important. That's one of the trickiest parts about being a grown-up, right? Being put in situations where you're angry and upset and frustrated, perhaps really furious, and then you want to act badly, but instead you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and that's certainly true for co-living. And, and Asker, you said, I just want a safe, comfortable place to live. I want that for you, too. I want that for everybody. <laughs> I wish everyone could have that. And certainly you deserve it. You're not a monster. You're not a bad person. We just want you to go in this with a little more clarity. Your next roommate will will mess up, and we want you to be be ready to talk about that in a way that doesn't make the situation uh, worse or go badly. Yeah, I feel like the asker right now is still coming from a place of being actively wounded. I mean, I think it yeah. says in the question, "I'm about I'm about to leave a very toxic, so they're still in it, right? Yeah, they're still in it, and and I think that that component of this is really important. That like right now, dude, you are in the weeds of it." You know, and you will feel differently about it with a little perspective. I hope that you can have maybe a day or at least a few hours between roommates where you could take a breath and be like, okay, I'm I'm recalibrating, I'm reassessing, I am deciding what's important to me, I'm deciding what I can let go, and I'm gonna make those things clear to my next roommate. Space from your current situation, the more the better. I think you will have time to breathe 
exhale, reset, start over, and maybe reevaluate your, your expectations and what you want from your next roommate. But not that what you said is particularly unreasonable. Like, it's not unreasonable to ask a person to clean the common space over you, like keep, keep the common space tidy. That's not unreasonable. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that they are going to do something at some point that annoys you because, yeah, they're <laughs> going to fuck it up. Um, some thoughts about maybe making this go clear from the start normalize keeping your door closed from the beginning like it's not like you don't want to one day slam your door or keep your door closed and then make a weird confrontation when you don't when you don't want one um it's not a sign of rudeness to to want to be in your room with your door closed so normalize that from the very beginning and i think maybe normalize wearing uh headphones around the house again it's not a sign of rudeness in the beginning you can even say to your roommate Hey, um, if if you come in and my headphones are on, I'm gonna give you a wave. Just so you know, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to ignore you. It just means, um, it's just this quirk of mine. It's just how I live. Be open about what you're doing. You know, make you might have to start a lot of these conversations. The headphones thing is is also great because it's one of those things that can be a physical signifier of I'm in I'm in my own head right now. You know, um, and and yep. I don't think that that's a rude thing to say to somebody. It's just like, hey, I have these headphones that like I put on. If I'm like playing music on my headphones, I'm kind of in the zone. So like, if you need me, it's probably going to be easier to text me, and then my phone will will buzz because I'm right. so in the right. mode. Anyway, uh, ask her again. You're not a monster. You're not a bad person. And what you want is fine. And we want you to have a comfortable, safe living space. And we think that if you put together some ground rules, if you do a lot of communicating, there is a certain amount of this that you can control. But you are going to need coping mechanisms for all the times you can't control things, which is a lot of the time because it's a separate human being. Yeah, that's exactly it. And we wish you the best of luck. And I guess my my final piece of advice is wear headphones around your living space. And um, if your roommate has uh, any questions about that, just say, I'm listening to Friendshipping. Yeah. It's a podcast you should check out. Like, this is a super good podcast. I have to pay attention to this. Um, it's like they're talking I can't miss right a to moment. me. Right, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, this has been Friendshipping, <laughs> a super good podcast. If you would like to follow us on Twitter or Twitch, you can at do friendship. If you would like to ask us a question, you have two ways to do this. One, go to friendshippingpodcast.com and go to the get in touch section. Send us a little note or you can email us. That's fine. Email us at friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also going to mention we have a book. I, I think we should start mentioning that. Buy our book. It's no, great. Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> Friendshipping, The Art of Making Friends, Being Friends, and Keeping Friends by Jen Bain and Trin Garitano. It's still available. Uh, you should buy it. Buy two copies and put one in your local library. <laughs> um, thank you, Ian Parman, for editing. Thank you so much, Lauren Gallagher, for your design work. Thank you, Monica Verba, our literary agent. And thank you, Molly Lewis, for the creation and singing of our theme song. And thank you, lovely audience, for listening. And you're welcome for talking. Do friendship at the problem. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Jen, is that a shower curtain behind you? What's no, it's a blanket. You? It's a blanket. <laughs> okay. I know. Because so, like, usually I'm off video and usually don't see how weird, what weird things I'm doing over here.